0: Today I'm in my series on the kingdom and my subtitle in this is fatherhood in the kingdom. <laughs> so we're not getting off the kingdom message but we're talking about fatherhood. Fatherhood in the kingdom. But remember this, if you're not a father today yet or you're a female today. You understand that every message preached is for everybody. You understand that? But I'm talking about fathers. But everybody can glean, can receive, and and, and see something added to their life as a result of this word preached today. But I'm talking to fathers. Um, So I want to just jump into the Scriptures starting with Matthew 7 and verse 21, and these are um, a few scriptures that we've read in the last two, in the last two, is this the third one? Yeah, this is the third one, the, la- the, 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 the previous two messages that we've talked about. So, these are foundational. Matthew 7 and 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Jesus said, everybody who, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, not everybody, I, I mean, you can say that this says this. This is what I think of when I read this. Not everybody who's born again, who declared the Lord Jesus as Savior, not everybody who declared that will necessarily enter into the kingdom of heaven, God's way of doing and operating in the earth. Not everybody will necessarily enter into that. I really don't feel like that the majority, there's a couple of times when I believe what Jesus was talking about was actually being saved, but I really believe what Jesus came to the earth to teach and preach was God's kingdom, God's way of doing and operating so that... His disciples of that day, and all those who were followers of Him up until His death and His burial, resurrection, and ascension, and then those who were there on the day of Pentecost, and from that point on, the multiplication of the church, He's talking to all of us. I believe He wanted all of us up to this day to live in heaven on earth. That's what I believe he's saying when he's talking about, not everybody will enter into that, but those who do the will of my Father. Those who understand my Father's way of doing and operating and then do something about it, then they enter into the kingdom of heaven. They enter into the, as Fabian was saying, talking about the tie, there's seed, there's time, and there's harvest. Entering into the kingdom of heaven on earth is to live in the fullness and the harvest of everything God has for us. Does God want you harvesting peace? Absolutely. Does He want you to be a joyful person in, on the earth in the midst of everything else that we go through? Well, we're going to look at that in just a minute. Another passage that we looked at was Matthew 18 and verse 1. And he said, At that time, the disciples came to him saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You think men think a lot of that? Who's the greatest at this? Who's the greatest at that? Hmm? Fabian challenged me in basketball one time. I had to show him how good I was. No, I think he beat me anyway. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we're, 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 it's something in us to challenge and to conquer and be the best at what we do. And, and the question was asked, you know, I mean, here's the 12, and by this time there were 82 of them at least, and there were more than that. So they're all gathered around, they're traveling together, you see them. If you haven't watched The Chosen yet, you haven't gotten into The Chosen yet, you need to get into watching The Chosen, because it says a lot about what... Went on in the days of Jesus with his disciples, and it's really good. I totally put my stamp of approval on it, if that matters. Amen. But he's with these guys and and they're all they're all standing around, I mean, you know, at times, you know, bumping heads and bumping shoulders and trying to get I want to do it and no, I want to do this and I wanna do that for Jesus. And who's the greatest? Then Jesus called a little child to him, and he set him in the midst of them, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is the greatest resource (laughs) of the kingdom. Humility. Now, can you imagine what these guys were all thinking like? What? Be like a little kid? I'm not going to act like a little kid. See, but, but he didn't understand what they were saying. As I talked about last week, have you ever seen a child, have you ever seen a child that is at two years old that's freaking out about his next meal? I mean, just in the normal, and we've got lots of kids today that are in tough situations. I understand that. But I, I, when, when, I read this, when I read this passage, I think all the time of the different times on television when I would see, um, like after a hurricane or a bad storm and, and houses were just leveled and destroyed, and they're interviewing the parents, and most of them usually are crying and upset and overwhelmed and, you know, I mean, you know, being in a situation like that would be very, very difficult. But if, when the camera pans and you find little kids, they're overplaying in mud, you know, splashing each other and having a good time, you know, you wouldn't think their house was just leveled there. They're not thinking about that. Not a two-year-old kid. And he said, with things like this in the world... You have to become like a little child, is what he was telling his disciples. You want to be greatest in the kingdom, then you trust God. Wholeheartedly, no matter what, no matter what you face, what you go through, you trust God, you're the greatest in the kingdom. Because what those children are doing in a normal setting is they're trusting their parents. I mean, I can remember thinking my dad was perfect probably until I was 10, 12, 13, 14 years old. I mean, like, that he never made a mistake. I can remember thinking, he never made mistakes. I thought he was perfect. So, even though my parents divorced at a young age when I was about 10, I never was concerned about where the next meal was going to come from. In fact, in the natural, when my parents separated and my other siblings lived with my mom and I lived with my dad, we ate at Luby's every day. Ha, <laughs> ha, Hmm, Luby's. I mean every day. You know, I wasn't thinking about some of the other traumatic things that were going on around the scene or whatever, but I wasn't concerned about eating and I wasn't concerned about where I was going to sleep. And that's the trust and confidence that we have to have in God, that He will take care of us. He will do what He said He'll do. You want to be greatest in the kingdom? You trust God. Last week, I shared this passage, these three verses out of Mark chapter 4, and it's about the parable of the sower. And he said to them, He said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. I really like that about the wording in that last song we just sang. Something about being passionate about the mystery or something in the mystery. In the last song, whatever it was, I really like that because I thought of this right here today. He said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery... Of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. And that's what that's what that song was saying when I when I was listening to it today. And then he said in verse 13, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And this is the parable that has to be understood. The sower sows the word <clears throat> what i was saying right at the beginning the reason that it's so important to have a daily routine of the word of god is because when you read the verses after this that talk about the explanation he was explaining to the parable that he had given him about the uh, about the sower the, the parable of the sower. He was giving the, that that, he gave it to him in a parable, and now he's explaining it to him in the verses after these that I read here. But but in this, he's talking about the condition of their heart. And he never talks in that passage, go back and read him, he never talks about sowing the seed again. He said, and this is the soil. Of the one where the word was preached. And they heard. It was preached and they heard. Why? Think of this. Get this picture. Grab a hold of this picture. Because the seed that was sown is enough. the seed that was sown is enough to change the soul of your heart, the condition of your heart. And that seed that was sown that he's talking about is where all of his confidence is is in. Why? Because he spent 30 years developing his life being in church all the time. Every time you read about Jesus as a boy, he's in church. Hearing the things that were talked about, developing a prayer life, a, a life of confession and declaration of the Word of God, so that he came to a place now he realized that every time that I declare and sow the Word of God into a situation, it produces. When? Right then. Do we ever see in Jesus' ministry where manifestation took much longer than just a few minutes, maybe an hour? Why? Because he believed in what he said. Why? Because he spent all those years in saying and declaring and developing to the point that when he says something, it comes to pass. We are in our lives developing our life to a place where we begin to believe like he believed. Because when we believe like he believes, we get exactly what happened in his life. Everything that happened and manifested in his life will happen in your my life that same way if we allow ourselves to believe like he believes. Can we believe like Jesus? Absolutely. He said the works that he, that he did will do an even greater works because he's gone to the Father, he's empowered us, and now heaven is brought to earth and it lives on the inside of us. So everything that he is and represents us with at the right hand of the Father is residing on the inside of us, and we have the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to us. That's why we have to put out that effort and that time In allowing the Word to be all of that. Because every day, every single day that you live, the devil is trying to talk you out of how real God is. Every day. Every day. From the time you get up in the morning till the time your eyes close must be a day that is centered around the Word. Because if you don't center your your, your life around the Word, your thoughts go from one set of thoughts to the next set of thoughts to the next set of thoughts to the next set of thoughts. That over about a two-hour, three-hour period of time can all of a sudden turn your whole day around. Everything can be turned around. He's working, he's working overtime, the enemy is, working overtime to just get you not to live victorious in this life, to convince you that you can do it on your own. That's why this kingdom message is so vital. God wants us trusting Him more than we trust anything else, and He does not want you. And I've seen many, many, I mean, very sadly seen many, many, many reports over the last few years of people that have been saved, that have walked in the kingdom, had strong ministries in different areas, and all of a sudden, you hear this report and something comes out and hear their testimony. I I, I won't believe something until I hear them say it, but you hear them say I'm questioning Christianity. What? I'm questioning Christianity. That sounds like a really horrible thing, but the deal is you can get so wrapped up in ministry you forget about God. It can be like anything else. And I'm thinking, how? What do you mean you're questioning Christianity? So what are you going to, how are you going to think? What are you going to think like? Who are you going to follow after? after? After understanding who I am in, in Him, and then the different religions that I've studied a little bit to be able to know how to relate to people that think other ways so you can accept them, receive what they're saying and doing, There's nothing in any other religion on planet Earth that I know of that can do for you what Christianity can do for you. I mean, and for me to say that there's not another one that can do for you what Christianity can do for you, there's really not any other religion, quote, because Christianity is not a religion, it's a lifestyle. But all the other religions are things that man-made, and there's nobody connected to any of those other religions that died and rose again. No. People tried to make it out as though they, were, they did and now they're in somebody else's body or they, they you know, that's so-and-so resurrected in the, whatever. No, we're talking about Jesus dying and raising up as Jesus. <laughs> Same body. Same guy, well, new, resurrected, glorified body, but same person, same mission, accomplished. Nobody in any other religion has ever done that. You're going to go from Christianity to one of those things? And I'm not being critical. You don't have to criticize other people and what they believe and all that. I mean, there's a lot of very faithful people committed to the religions that they have, and they can have those, and you're not going to talk them out of it. Greatest thing you can do for them is pray Ephesians 1 and 3 over them, that their eyes be opened up to see the truth. But until that day, they're not ready for the God that you serve. But the reason people can choose something else other than Christianity is because they don't have a relationship with God, they don't know Him. You can't know Him and choose something else, He's everything. He's all of it, and His Word, as you sow that Word, the sower sows the Word, and what the Word does is it begins to plow up the condition of our hearts so that what we sow into is good ground that produces great harvest. One plants, one waters, who brings the increase? God and God alone. God brings the increase in people's lives. We're here to grow up and be all that God created us to be. Can you say amen to that? The sower sows the word." So I want to read this verse and then I'm going to read to you 16 verses out of the Amplified in Matthew chapter 5, which is known as the Beatitudes. I'm going to read to you some things as men, as fathers that you need to know every day that you are. You are these things. What Jesus talked about in the Beatitudes have to do with who he created us to be, these people. And I want to read this verse before I get to the Beatitudes. It's found in Matthew 4 and 23, and I'm going to read it out of the New Living. And it said this, Jesus traveled throughout the regions of Galilee teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Notice Jesus taught in church. Synagogue that day is church today. Synagogue in that day, before the church, is the church today. House of God Old Testament is church New Testament. First Timothy 3.15. The house of God is the church, the pillar, and the ground of truth. Amen? Jesus taught in church and teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about God's way of doing and operating. And he did what? And he healed every kind of disease and illness. You and I were created to first and foremost know how he operates and how he does things and then go heal the sick. And see people delivered of all diseases. Mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. I mean, there's many financial diseases in people's lives. That's what he's called you and I to do. And as fathers today, he's created you to do that. Fathers and grandfathers, he's created you to do that for your children and your children's children. That they grow and continue to grow in the truth and the revelation of God's Word. I'm believing... That the generation that I'm that I am and I have and continue to sow into that that generation will not lose, but actually take what they've been given and take it to another level. One of the worst things that can happen is a generation lives, they pour what they have into the next generation, and it goes bankrupt and falls apart. God wants His kingdom advancing. Getting better, getting stronger all the time. And to all you fathers today, God created you to get stronger and better and accomplish in the earth what He put you here to accomplish. Can you say amen to that? So, I want to start in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 5. And like I said, we're going to read out of the Amplified. So, that in itself is a whole lot more reading. Seeing the crowds, verse 1, he went up on the mountain, and he was seated. His disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, When we go to Israel, that, that'll be one of the places that we, we, we would have been in Israel this past, uh, no, this past February? Yeah, 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 it was this past February we were supposed to be in Israel, but because of... All the other stuff we we didn't go, but we're biding our time, looking for the opportunity to go again. And when we go, this will be one of the places that we go, and it's beautiful. It's just gorgeous, and it's on this mountain, <clears throat> on this not a mountain, but it's big hill, and up at the top, everywhere Jesus preached or significant things happened, they build churches, and there's a church and a and several churches actually up or a couple of churches up on top of this hill. And when you look down, you look down. This, these grassy fields down low, and then it kind of gets rocky, and then there's a road there, and then it goes over the road, and there's a couple of more churches, and there's the Sea of Galilee, and you can see the whole thing from the top. Just get that picture of, of Jesus preaching, and, I mean, and the people were up and down that hill, and, and there were no microphones. <laughs> they are not telling how many thousands of people there were, and there were no microphones. And he was preaching to these people, and he said, He opened his mouth saying, blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. Uh, Everybody say that with me, the, the, the part that says, regardless of their outward conditions. Everybody read it. Ready? Read. Regardless of their outward conditions. Regardless of their outward conditions. Regardless. No matter what. No matter what you face. Or, remember the Amplified defines everything, and this is what what Jesus was talking about. So blessed, happy, envied, spiritually prosperous, with life and joy and satisfaction and God's favor and salvation, regardless of what you face on a day-to-day basis, are the poor in spirit, and then they define what poor in spirit is, the humble, who rate themselves insignificant. Another translation says, who realize their need for Him. Who realize Their need for Him, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Fathers, today, number one, I'm telling you that the more you live your life to realize how much you need Him, you will inherit and live in the kingdom of heaven on this earth. No matter what you face. Well, Pastor, that sounds all good, but you know, you don't know all the things that are going on. Regardless of your outward conditions, regardless of your outward conditions, you'll walk in the kingdom of heaven, God's way of doing and operating in the earth. If you develop and live your life realizing how much you're in need of Him, He just wants you seeking Him. blessed and enviable, happy with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of His matchless grace are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'll just tell you this. That word to you can mean other things, but I say this. When you start seeking after the kingdom of God and you start being extracted from your previous life, because you get born again first, then you get extracted from your previous life. Did you hear what I said? You get born again spiritually first, then you get extracted in your soul of your previous life, and there's a lot of... uh, Oh, God! Ah. There's a lot of moaning and groaning, complaining, hurting, a lot of frustration. But if you will mourn by realizing your need for God, you will be comforted. I don't know about you, but that is... Very encouraging to know that no matter what I face, what I've been through, what I've been, I'm being extracted from God's comfort from the Holy Spirit is there for me in every situation, no matter what I face. As fathers, you need to be comforted. That would seem more of something that your wife would need, you know, if somebody's thinking old school. I'm telling you, you need to be comforted in your soul every single day, knowing He is who He says He is. He will do what He said He'll do. Mm, Blessed, happy, blithesome, joyous, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless Of their outward conditions are the meek. And I love the definition here of meek. The mild, patient, and long-suffering. I can just tell you, men, fathers, grandfathers, and everybody can receive this in the house, like I said when I first started. But I'm speaking to the fathers today. You need to develop patience. And what did he say as a result of that? Being mild, patient, long-suffering, you shall inherit the earth. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness, but He gave it to us, but for you to inherit it and everything in it, you have to develop patience. I'm telling you today, as a father, the more patience you purpose to develop through God's Word, through a relationship with God, the more you will inherit, as Fabian was talking about, businesses, but you'll inherit natural things in this world because the earth is natural, and he's talking about here the natural earth. You'll in but you'll, you'll, in, you'll inherit great favor and, and blessing that goes along with that and stress-free. I think that what I'm saying to you and what I'm preaching to you about in the kingdom, I think That so many people don't believe it's possible. So many people don't believe that's possible to actually have and live in a stress-free life. Remember, why would he say, regardless of their outward conditions, why would he say that? Because the stress is there. I mean, it's there. It's, It's everywhere. The potential for stress is everywhere. But when you're developing patience, that's the one we're talking about, all these things. When you're developing patience in your life, and you're not stressing yourself out, you're not giving in to the stress that's out there. It's there, but you're not giving in to that. I don't have to. Because what I'm doing, I'm expecting for what comes from God that's being poured out on my life to come to me (laughs) stress-free. Everybody say that's for, that's for me. Amen. Amen. He said it is. That's why I'm reading it to you today. Whoo! Stress free. Mm. Blessed, fortunate, and happy and spiritually prosperous in that state in which the born again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is uprightness and right standing with God, they shall be completely satisfied. Fathers, seeking after what is right in God, the only way you can know that is to know what's right in His Word. His kingdom... His kingdom is His way of thinking, the way He operates His kingdom, and the righteousness part of His kingdom is the way He does. He does only what is right. And when I know that, and I seek after that, and I do that, what he you say was the result of that? I would be completely satisfied. And I have to say it, I have to add this. I'm just kind of adding, but (laughs) stress-free. Completely satisfied, no stress. Living for God is stress-free. Again, what did we just read in Mark chapter 4? If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand what I'm telling you today. Because I can tell you these things right here. And your mind is saying, yeah, but, but, but how? That's why I started out with how. That's why I shared the how last week. And I shared the how the week before. How? Through the Word. I have to develop. I have to spend the time to develop a daily routine that I've made my own and that I believe in. And from the seed of that word, there's, when I said that about Jesus didn't mention more seed sown, he talked about the seed that had been sown of the word. What I, what I, the way I take that, the reason I said that and the way I take it is, is the word that I have that I tweak and develop all the time, that I speak out of my mouth every day, I don't need anything but that. I don't need anything but what God has given me to declare every day so that I hear myself saying it so it changes the way I think so now I'm beginning to think more like Him. That's the way when you read these things that I'm reading to you today, you go and meditate on them. Can I live a life completely satisfied, stress-free? Can I learn to be patient where I'm impatient. How? So or so is the Word. In the Word, in the seed of the Word itself is everything I need to manifest in my life to where I can demonstrate patience when the potential is to be impatient. It's all in the seed of the Word itself. So I sow it, and I sow it every day, but all of a sudden my sowing becomes cultivating. I'm cultivating the soil, I'm watering it, I'm pulling the weeds up so it's not being choked out so that the the, the soil of my heart is becoming pliable so that as I'm saying it, now all of a sudden it's beginning to produce faith plans. (laughs) Amen? And all of a sudden, I'm beginning to believe the things that I'm saying over myself. I don't say things over myself every day to change my circumstances, per se, today, but I'm saying those things so that my mind changes, my thinking changes, so that those circumstances will change when I declare something and I know that I've received it and then I have it. Jesus spent 30 years so that he could be the perfect example. Studying the Word, going to church, hearing the Word, declaring the Word, confessing the Word, developing a relationship with God so that when it was time for him to step into that, that ministry that was like no other human being ever on the planet or ever will be, he stepped into the ministry of being the sons of men. The son, <clears throat> the leader of all mankind, the perfect example for all of us to follow after. When he stepped into that role, he was prepared and ready. You and I are preparing ourselves, making ourselves ready for amazing days and times ahead of us. Listen to me. Your greatest days, listen to me, every one of you fathers today, your greatest days are before you. Everybody else in the house, your greatest days are before you if You do the things that He's saying here. See, you don't have to try to figure out how to be patient. You be a declarer of the Word of God daily. And from the seed of that Word, He will reveal to you how to be patient in an impatient situation. I could, all of you in here could, we could line up here and stay the rest of the day into tomorrow and towards the end of the week, giving testimonies of times when I had a situation come and normally I would react in a wrong way. When the day came when all of a sudden I was going to react in the wrong way and something from the inside of me said, no, we're not doing that. Not an audible voice, just a knowing. No, no, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to not retaliate. I'm going to not respond in a negative way. I'm going to not do that. You just knew it. That didn't just come out of the air one day and you decide to change your ways. You know yourself and you know other people. And you know other people that got ugly attitudes and say all kinds of ugly things at times. And they don't change. They don't want to change. When you don't like somebody, maybe Thanksgiving comes around and some family member that you don't ever see except once a year because you have to, you know they're going to be there. Man, you're already set. Man, I mean, you got your armor on and you're ready and you're set with an attitude on your shoulder, ready to confront this person in some way or another or ignore them totally. You know, you know. We've all done it in some form or another. Everybody has. But we don't have to stay like that. And there comes a day, listen, if you're trying to not be ugly to them, eh, doesn't work. No, you're not sharp enough, smart enough, or good enough to want to do that. You may try it. You know, you might hear the word preached and you're not doing anything with it, but you're kind of convicted. You know? And you kind of... Whatever, right? And you're trying to be nice, but then they say something, nah, I told you. No, 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 you're not good enough. It's in the seed of the Word that empowers you. And then one day, one day, you change your life forever. One one word revealed in your heart will change you forever. Forever. It will change you. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm not going to make it through all of this today, but I'll pick it up next week. And then it won't just be for fathers. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. Let me read these. Let me read two more real quickly. Blessed, happy, and to be envied, and spiritually prosperous. With life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Luke chapter 6 in verse 30-something says, you show mercy, you reap mercy. As Fabian was saying today, as you, you sow finances, you reap finances. As you sow ugly, you reap ugly, right? Fathers, I'm telling you, Learn from God how to be merciful. We live in Texas. In Texas, part of our Texas motto is no mercy. Hmm? You do do something stupid, we have guns. We take you out. There's no mercy. I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, God's way of thinking and operating doesn't work like that. You know, I'm not saying that there's not a time or whatever. I'm just saying it doesn't work like that. Mercy first, gun second. <laughs> Amen? And I'm telling you, the more that you learn from God how to be merciful, you receive mercy. And when you receive mercy, man, you're forgiven. It does something to you to want to be merciful. When you receive the mercy of God... But for the grace and the mercy of God, where would any of us be? Any of us. And the more you receive that, and the more you give that, the more you receive, and the more you give it, you receive, and it does something to your life. You don't, you, to a point that you didn't think you could ever be that kind of a person. But the seed of God's Word will take you to that place. If there's ever a need in this nation for fathers to rise up and be merciful men right now. My last one, and then I'm going to end with this. Blessed, happy, enviable, fortunate, spiritually prosperous, possessing the happiness produced by the experience of God's favor. Not a happiness produced by conditions of the world. Boy, you sure seem happy today. Well, you know, so-and-so sent me a bunch of money. Oh, man, I am so happy. See him six days later? You seem kind of down. Well, somebody stole it. I mean, condition, up and down and up and down, whatever it is. No, 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 no. He said, possessing the happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of, of His grace, and anytime you see grace, you can add mercy. They're different, but they're cousins. Amen? The revelation of His grace, regardless of their outward conditions. Hurricane could have came in and taken out your house, and all of a sudden, a joy and a happiness you didn't realize could be in there comes up out of you, and the Lord says... I got you that house. I got you a better one. Then you don't have to blame anybody. You don't have to blame God or the government or this thing or that thing or the president or anybody. You don't have to blame anybody else because your confidence and your happiness, your joy is not conditional. It's connected to God himself. And he said, it's the pure in heart for they shall see God. And when you get your mind and your heart right, you'll see clearly. The pure in heart are those who get their mind and their heart connected to God. Those are the pure in heart. You're not going to make yourself pure. It's not your actions apart from God that are going to make you pure. It's your actions because of God that make you pure, and your heart pure, and then you see clearly. All you fathers in the house today, these are just words of encouragement on a path and a journey that I've been on for a long time. God, show me. I mean, if, if this was easy, everybody would do this. It's not easy. Did you hear what I said? It's very simple. It's, 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 almost, it's almost so simple that it's almost, it's like it's so simple, ah, it couldn't be like that. It's really like that. God's empowered every father in the house today to live these ways and more, free of all stress, free of all pressure, and free of guilt and shame that you're not good enough. I'm telling you, God made you good enough. He made you good enough. How many can say amen to that and believe that that's true? He made every one of us good enough. No guilt, no shame. Mm -mm. Not in my world. You and I cannot afford to allow that to hang around. That's why we need the Word of God. Sower sows the Word. And when we sow the Word, it produces a heart and a mind that is pliable, open to receive from God soil of the heart that's producing great and yielding great fruit and living our lives being a blessing to other people and letting people know how great that our God is. Amen.